Hello and welcome to the St. Barnabas Bible Podcast. Um, I'm David Ely, as per usual. Uh, with me, as per usual, is Zach. Yes, I'm Zach Kale. I'm the director of the uh, St. Barnabas Bible School, and it's really good to be here on the podcast again with you, David, and we have a special guest today. So. We do. Um, introduce yourself. Who are you? Uh, my name is Lucius, uh, Lucius Nucius. I'm half Greek, half Cypriot, um, and I am the national director of Youth for Christ here in Cyprus. Great. Um, today, what we want to do is talk to you, Lucius, about Youth for Christ in Cyprus, about the work you do, uh, about some of the needs you see, about the, really the state of the state of the youth in Cyprus, and, and hopefully get a bit of insight uh, about um, how things are in Cyprus. So, so why don't you first tell us a little bit about how you came to be involved with Youth for Christ? Sure thing. Um, so I was a youth leader here on the island for many years. Um, I was born in Athens, but I grew up here, really. Uh, so I was involved with the youth group. Um, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I moved to Greece to study. And when I came back, um, I got involved with the youth group in more of a leadership capacity. Um, and I was doing that um, in 2009 and uh, I was approached by uh, a friend who asked me if I wanted to lead a ministry. Uh, I did not know it was Youth for Christ. I, I didn't know that Youth for Christ was existed even. He told me, would you be interested in working with youth in that capacity? I said, yes, of course I would be. I'd like to know more. So I was... Uh, invited to hear about what Youth for Christ in Cyprus does and they offered me a job uh, as the National Director of Youth for Christ here in Cyprus and after some thinking and praying I decided that hey this is a good opportunity because I get to do what I do for fun and for uh, a service to God I get to do it in a professional capacity uh, and I also get to be in my own country and uh, minister to my own people in that sense. So I joined in 2011 and have been here since. And what does YFC do? Youth for Christ around the world is basically just taking the gospel to young people. Mm -hmm. uh, in Cyprus, we uh, have young people between the ages of 12 and 18. We do some. We do a camp in the summer. We do some ministries around the year. We do uh, summer ministries, which are like beach days and things like that. Uh, we do Bible studies throughout the year. We organize some trainings. We just basically whatever is the need for the young people in Cyprus and for the youth in support of the youth leaders and churches in Cyprus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I noticed on on your website doing a little bit of reading about YFC, but one of the key parts of the vision of YFC is is to help young people sort of become part of the local church. Correct. How, obviously, YFC being a parachurch uh, ministry, uh, often you see parachurches trying to coexist alongside churches, and that, that interface is not always the smoothest. How do you, YFC Cyprus, go about trying to get young people embedded in, in local churches? Um... Due to the nature of religion in Cyprus, or because of the Orthodox Church, um, it is difficult for a young person to go straight from Orthodox to going to a Protestant church. Um, what are some of the challenges there? Uh, they would be ostracized. We are heretics okay. in the eyes of the Orthodox Church. So going from being even uh, Orthodox by name, which is also an identity uh, here in Cyprus, uh, being Cypriot means that you're Orthodox. 
So, in a sense, becoming something different denies your ethnicity, your national pride, your all of that. It's very common. Um, when I say that I'm not orthodox, the answer is, I will argue a Turk. So, for a young person to... No, no. I'm, okay. I'm Greek. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. I just, I'm not. Um, the, a young person coming to faith and jumping from the Orthodox world into, if you want to call it that, into the Protestant world would, is a huge shock for them, but also for their families. Mm -hmm. So we have had young people who have come to faith and their families have kicked them out of their house. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not very common, but uh, it does happen. Mm -hmm. So we want to be that step as an organization between uh, the world and a youth group, a Christian youth group or a Christian church. A place where young people can go and they can find uh, a home, away from home. They can find love, they can find acceptance. Uh, but in that process, also hear about Jesus and hear about the truth and tell them, you know, we do what we do not because we get paid well or because it's fun, but because we do what Jesus wants us to do, and that is to take the gospel to the nations. So our mission really is to stand alongside the church uh, in the places that are harder to reach or perhaps out okay. of the ability mm -hmm. of the local church and things like that. So you'd say uh, you have more of an evangelism focus, initial outreach kind of... Yes. Uh, or ideally that's what you'd like... That's what, that's like what we strive for, yes. Yeah. We don't always do that because there are certain needs that uh, churches can't fill in certain cities, but we're moving towards that. That is our ultimate goal and that is our, mm -hmm. our focus, mm -hmm. yes, is, to, is evangelism, correct. Who, who, so in Cyprus we have uh, obviously native Cypriots, Greek Cypriots going back a long way, alongside a lot of other different groups of people. Uh, would you say most of your work is with native Greek speakers, Greek Cypriots, you know, of the traditional stock, or is it more uh, cosmopolitan than that? Is it, is it English speakers? Yeah, it is more cosmopolitan. Mm -hmm. um, part of the reason why is because of the way that Youth for Christ in Cyprus started. Uh, it was started in Limassol by English-speaking people. And Limassol is a bit more cosmopolitan than other cities. Um, when did so you start? In 19... Sorry, 2005, officially. Mm -hmm. As in officially meaning that things started happening. The official registration was in 2010. Okay. Um, but things were happening from 2005 and before that they were just using Cyprus as a base for the Middle East so there was a Youth for Christ uh, center here but it wasn't for youth it was just admin mm -hmm. and they did do occasional youth events but their presence was almost non-existent mm -hmm. that wasn't the focus I guess that's why um, yeah so we deal mostly with English speakers uh, about a third of the island is either mixed marriages or foreigners, so not locals. Uh, I am a mixed, uh, it's a child of a mixed marriage. My dad is Greek. All my friends growing up were half something and half Cypriot. So that is very, very common. Um, so we deal mostly with them, but also we are looking for ways to reach out to the local youth. Uh, we do have maybe about a third of our youth, I say, are, are Cypriot. But we still do things in English because it's a language that everyone mm -hmm. understands, mm -hmm. and we don't. That way, we don't exclude anyone um, because Cypriots speak English anyway. So 
uh, they're happy even in schools if they go to private school many of them would speak English fluently mm -hmm. so that's not a language is not a barrier there mm -hmm. what excites you most about the work of YFC if you're looking at looking ahead for the next few years is there something that you're particularly excited about is there something you're, you're seeing getting started that that really uh, is really exciting to you really yeah encouraging yeah so when I was growing up uh, in the 90s Cyprus was very orthodox and uh, even young people at my age at the time um, 10 12 13 years old uh, they would go to Orthodox Church almost regularly, um, not just for Christmas and Easter. Um, their families were more religious, you can say. Mm -hmm. uh, that was great. There were things about that that are fantastic, but it also it was a lot more closed as a society where foreigners would not be necessarily accepted mm -hmm. um, if they were not Orthodox, which most aren't. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I was always branded the heretic uh, and the weirdo that I didn't kiss the icons and I didn't go to Orthodox Church. Um, that has changed. Mm -hmm. uh, with that comes the bad as well, which mm -hmm. is uh, just a secular um, society is very different and has a lot significantly less morals than a, an Orthodox society, let's say, and that is the negative. Um, but that also gives us an opening. Mm -hmm. um, young people today are much more open to everything, unfortunately. But in that everything, the gospel is in there as well. And there's, uh, there's a lot more freedom to do that and a lot more acceptance to do that by the general population. Okay. So um, going forward, forth in the future, I see that that will just become easier if we take advantage of it. Uh, how will we take advantage of it? As in general, as yeah. a society, yeah. How, do you, how uh, does as, or, or YFC? Let's let's yeah. think a bit about YFC. How is YFC hoping to take advantage of that greater open, openness? What are you, what are your strategies? What are your you, you know, your, the, the methods that you're going to use um, to do that? So we want to do more um, outreach, as I mentioned before, um, by just being amongst the population. Mm -hmm. um, we use being a youth organization. We use a lot of games and a lot of fun. Uh, we'd want to young people to know that being Christian doesn't mean that you're stuck in a box because they look at social media and Christians seem these hard-lined, strict, I don't know, people. Um, and we all know, whoever believes in God knows that the Bible is not just a book of rules. It's not do this and do that and don't do anything else and don't breathe, but that there is true freedom in the Word of God. There's true freedom in Christ. Um, and we want to show them that you can be a believer and have fun and be excited and have camps and go on hikes and uh, whatever else uh, we do. So we really just want to be um, a good example of people who love God and who know how to have fun, but also have limits and have boundaries that are ultimately good for us to have. Well, I think that's that's uh, that's the thing with we're seeing more and more certainly I've seen more and more clearly is that the world around us really is in in darkness and to bring the word of God into that situation it is so you know people are people are starting to see how good it is to have the light of the word of God shine into into the, the darkness that they live in 
um, it, it, where there is no where the light of the word of God is not shining it is chaos and darkness and it, it, it's miserable um, and it's all very well portraying Christians as these kind of uh, strict no fun uh, bores as if the word of God constrains life but we know that it is through the word of God and through the word Jesus himself that real life comes uh, and and I, I think as 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 it seems some of that darkness is closing in a little bit on those around us who don't have that the light of the word of God the light of the gospel is going to shine more clearly into right. that yeah I think to change your metaphor a little bit I think um the word of God does constrain us, obviously, mm-hmm. but it constrains us as a fence constrains people from going over a cliff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, so yeah. it actually provides the freedom within that uh, that sort of uh, space to do what what God called you, calls you to do, but to have a certain freedom within that. Mm-hmm. And the fences are not meant to constrain you or restrain you, except to to, to 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 inhibit you from doing something that will damage or harm yourself. Yeah. So it, we all recognize that it's good to have fences in places to keep people protected. And I think that is how, how the word of God really is. Now, if, you're, if you don't know what's on the other side of that fence, if you think paradise is on the other side of that fence, you'll see that as a constraint or as a, something that is unnecessarily restraining you. But we know that on the other side is nothing but death and darkness. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And it's, it's important in your work, too, because I'm sure that you see people who... Um, given the, the, the more general openness, as you say, in the good and the bad that comes with that. The bad part of that is this unrestrained sort of quote-unquote freedom. And young people don't realize what's on the other side of that fence. Uh, they're being told that it's paradise, and obviously it's nothing but hell itself. So um, that approach, I could see, is very, um, it, it's a very important balance to be able to, on the one hand, show that we're not these complete... Uh, stuck up worried about every single jot and tittle in terms of like being able this is what we're we're adding commands yes yeah well and and even and even making the commandments abstractly the focus of what we're doing rather the commandments are set within the context of a covenant or of 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 a communal relationship uh, with God and with others and and they have a specific purpose and that is to protect and to glorify the God who gave them and they're not simply there to constrain or restrain. Very important purpose, and it's necessary to have them. Otherwise, we're left with the chaos you you talked about, but not the um, not the const- like the the straight jacket that people think they are. Mm-hmm. They're actually liberating when mm-hmm. viewed in the mm-hmm. proper context. So that's a that must be a difficult balance to try to find. On the one hand, you want to show yourselves as people that aren't like stuck up for the case, just for the sake of being stuck up because we're religious. But on the other hand. Showing yourself to be a different than the world around us. Showing yourself to be a light and saying that. And part of that light, of course, is behavior and the way you're, you're teaching. And you definitely need to be comfortable with being different. Mm-hmm. Um, being a, Working with young people, you will get the most honest <clears throat> feedback mm-hmm. possible. They are not going to shy away from, hey man, this today was so boring. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I was on my phone the whole time. Um, <laughs> they're, Sunday school lessons where people have said, 
This game was so dull. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. There you go. There you go. Oh, you try it. Charge <laughs> <laughs> next time. Make it fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so you're going to get the most honest criticism from mm-hmm. young people. Yes. And it, it's easy to um, lose focus in that because you're like oh today was boring well how can I make it more fun and then you focus on that and forget the actual focus which is Christ Uh, but also it does help with keep constantly making you better because as when you're working with young people you have to be malleable you have to be soft around the edges because you have to change and move as the trend moves you cannot be completely outside on your own in the middle of a mountain nobody's going to listen to you you have to go with them within the the restraints that we said before so within the how do you how have you found <clears throat> managing the, the the sort of the temptation there because within within every christian ministry leading any christian sort of organization there's always the temptation to move with the tides of the culture around you how have you have you felt that temptation or have you how have you managed to to deal with that how do you walk that line we feel that temptation every day Mm -hmm. because every time you do ministry you're gonna get um some comment some somebody will come and say something that oh this was you know why you guys don't do this We, we should just go have a drink together or we should i don't know do this or do that why are we not allowed to swear and sometimes it's easy to just say, yeah, some things we can just, you know, not have a talk this today, just have fun together. Uh, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's missing the, the point. Our point is to bring the word to young people. Um, so that is a very real temptation. And you do have to balance on the edge. You can't go far too on the one way where you don't have fun and you only focus on that and your games are super boring. Nobody will come. Teenagers are not like adults where you, oh, I made a commitment. I should probably go back. Teenagers are like, I don't care, man. That was boring. I'm not coming next week and that's it. And you've lost them. Uh, But you also can't be on the other side where you only have fun because they're going to love it, but you're missing the whole point of your existence. Um, So... It is a, it's a daily struggle for us to find new ways of engaging with young people. What do young people like today? They like TikTok and funny dances. Great. Does that, is that in according, according to what we want to do? Is that in line? Yes, it is, but up to there. Or maybe that gives the wrong message, so maybe we shouldn't do that. Um, so it is a struggle, but it's also part of the fun, is finding new ways to make the gospel visible uh, in a way that interests young people. And there has been, sort of going back to what you were saying, Zach, that there is that shift um, in young people today where they see the restraints as a prison, right? Um, And showing them that within the restraints, we don't have to swear to play football. We don't have to beat each other up and call each other racist names or call each other, I don't know, anything. We can play and love each other and have fun together and also have a competition, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's Mm -hmm. part of the game without having that deep hatred for each other. (laughs) Um, And I think it's young people today have... So there's been that shift from a religious society to a secular society, and now they're sort of seeing that that doesn't work as well as the world tells us, and they want some 
um, some limits. They're looking for something, somewhere to fit into. It was that everything's free and everything's great. We're away from the the strict uh, orthodox box that we were in. Uh, now we can do whatever we want. And now they've done that. And people my age have seen, wait, that actually is not that mm-hmm. great. So we don't want that for our kids. So where our kids need to fit into something. So you see a rise of... Um, yeah, where are they going for those yeah. If If it's not the word of God, where are they going? To anything else that provides a home, whether that mm-hmm. is a football team, whether that is a, a group online. Uh, obviously, what we kind live of in a... a a certain group, a gaming group. If you okay. play games online, you, you're going to be part of a clan or part of a, a certain group of people, and all that. You're going to have um, in the in the real world. Um, you're going to be a part of uh, a certain, whether it's a, a dance group, whatever you like doing, basically. Mm-hmm. But you want to fit in somewhere, mm-hmm. and that might also be that uh, a group of people that doesn't necessarily meet together. So, like, if you brand yourself. I don't know. I'm going to use the LGBTQ movement because that's in my brain all the time. If you brand yourself as non-binary, automatically you belong to that group and that group is strong and we are together even though you've never met another non-binary person. Um, so they sort of use the all these labels on purpose. Well, it used to be that when I was growing up, I don't want you to label me, man. Don't label me anything. <laughs> now it's like, no, you label me correctly. Um, and that is sort of where young people meet today is in this non uh, non real world in a sense non uh, tangible world where we just call ourselves different names and that's where we where we are. It's an interesting point you're making because it shows you the general human tendency uh, that humans can't live with chaos for too long. Pretty soon, thou have to you have to define yourself. You have to find something. If it's not, if you're not defining yourself on the word of God, you're going to define yourself on something else. And I think that that, that these societies of humans start inevitably to look like or at least take the place of what churches ought to be doing or the people of God ought to be doing. But I think what people have found is that with these groups, they're very lousy uh, um, replacements for the church because there's no mechanism for forgiveness. There's no mechanism for true uh, community. There's no real example and command. And most important, there's no power to to do that, Mm -hmm. to actually carry that out. But it's really interesting. It's fascinating what you're saying because it's not simply that, oh, we want freedom. There's a recognition that, well, maybe too much freedom is a bad thing, but where do we go now? We've rejected the church. We've rejected God. Um, Who's going to tell us what to do? Because we need someone to to, to clearly define ourselves. And it seems to me that exactly young people Mm -hmm. these days are in such a difficult, more difficult predicament than, for for instance, when we were kids because we were growing up and people were very... um, adamant about their own freedom but there was still this residual christian message that said oh you you can't treat people this way you shouldn't treat people that way uh now that that's waning away people understand that you got to have something and where are they turning to so you're right it's a unique opportunity uh but also a unique challenge it seems to to reach the young people this year uh to return to the the relationship of yfc and the church how because obviously there's a temptation there with something like YFC or youth groups more generally, parachurch youth groups, that they become just another one of those little identity groups. Mm-hmm. I'm a YFC guy. Or mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, instead of being, I'm going to find my real home in the church of the living God. Ha- have you seen that happening in YFC or, or more generally in, in, in parachurch youth work? 
Yes, I have seen that abroad, where Youth for Christ is, uh, there are countries that are, Youth for Christ is absolutely massive, mm-hmm. uh, and they call themselves, you know, we are YFC people. But a thing that I really appreciate about this organization is that one of our core values is the church. Mm-hmm. So we are not a church. Uh, we don't want to be a church. We want to be, like I mentioned before, um, just a bridge perhaps, or the person that gives you that little shove to push you into the right, uh, back on the tracks. So in Cyprus, not so much. Abroad, that has happened before. I mean, it's natural, uh, it's inevitable, and young people want that. And you, we have to use that, that we are a fun group, and you, get, you can be part of this, but we are not the group. Yeah. We are just a small part of it. And here is where we belong all together. And uh-huh. if you want more of what we give you and more of what we have, you want the real belonging exactly, that's pointing to you. Exactly. Because exactly. we don't belong to YFC, yeah. we belong to God. We belong in the church. We mm-hmm. belong to this body of believers. So what we do, we do for Him, for the church, and for this body. So come into this and this is where we want to point them and that's what we do we we point young people to churches we tell them if you want to know more about this there are youth groups that you can go to and here's this person from that youth group that you could go into and there's just a bunch of young people like you and you get to make friends um, and really uh, it is friends that make all the difference mm-hmm. uh, uh, initially it's not God young people don't care about God when they don't know anything about him um, it starts with friendship. It starts with, hey, my friends go there. I want to belong in that group. So I'm going to go. And then they hear about God. And then it starts, if obviously they have that interest in that, they will start growing in them. And they'll start asking questions for themselves mm-hmm. as opposed to just being part of a group. Mm-hmm. So we don't want young people to be a part of a group. We want young people to know the truth mm-hmm. and to come to see who Jesus really is. And then... Once they start realizing that, we start discipleship and then we push them into a youth group and from there, hopefully, into a church mm-hmm. then, uh, so that they can grow further. So. Do, you, do you see that there's a risk of, of, people, of young people being in youth groups, getting used to a certain style of thing and then find it very, very jarring to go into the real thing, the, mm-hmm. the, the church? Do you, do you see a disconnect there? 100%. Um, and... and how then do you think that, um, so as someone who's involved with youth work here in Larnaca, how, how can we as youth groups prepare our young people better for that transition? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it takes a bit of give from both sides, in the sides of the church and the side of a youth group. So as a youth group, um, I believe that we need to be more real, if you want to call it that, and be more uh, open about what church is and what we do in church and um, not sugarcoat it in a way that is not real. So don't you say, church is this super amazing fun place where you play games. We don't play games. Mm -hmm. We go to church for a purpose. And it would be wrong to play games. Exactly. Exactly. But the youth group is a place where we play games. Mm -hmm. And we don't want it to be a jail. We don't want it to be we are here to have fun together, but also introduce you into this. And on the other side, I think the church itself needs to be ready to accept young people. Young people are a very different breed than adults. Uh, and part of 
why you know, um, Youth for Christ around the world is successful is because adults don't really want to deal with teenagers. They don't know how to. Teenagers are these aliens that, oh, my child is a teenager and now they've, they lock themselves in the room all day and they, their moods go up and down and there's boys and girls and all this stuff. And churches don't really know how to deal with that. Um, so I think it takes a little bit of um, a reach uh, to reach the bridge, the gap rather, between the church and the youth group. So the church needs to not lose its focus at all. That's not what I'm talking about. But rather come down and understand young people and how if a young person walked today in my church, what would it look like for them? Would they come back? That's a simple question. Would somebody walk up to them and welcome them and give them a hug and ask them some questions about themselves? Would the sermon and the, the worship be this dull, boring, dry thing that they're going to bore their heads out of? Or is it going to challenge them? Is the message going to challenge them? Um, and on the other hand, is it going to be the super amazing presentation of lights and colors and sounds where they're going to be super excited, but they're not going to learn anything? Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing. It feels great, but tomorrow it won't. Um, so it is, that is also very difficult. And I don't have the answer for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. this is what I see from my side of the, of the view of the coin. Yeah. It, and all this seems to be going into the realm of theology a little bit. All this seems to be directly related to the idea of the incarnation. You know, I mean, Christ came and he's speaking the same language as the people to whom he came. There's no doubt that his glory was not just heard but seen. Uh, it's, it's, he's there and he's relating with people and they're understanding him. And yet at the same time, he's revealing the living God. Uh, and that there, his part of his revelation to humanity can't be concealing that uh, he's revealing it. That's his purpose. So you transfer that to our mission as the church to reveal Christ, which means that on the one hand, we have to be relating to people in languages that they can understand so that the message gets clearly communicated and not just through the spoken word, but through every bit of who we are. But on the other hand, we can't be so interested in the media of communication that the message of communication is lost. And it seems to be that struggle um, directly related on the Christian doctrine of the incarnation that you're dealing with and that churches deal with all the time, uh, not falling to the one side or to the other, or to put it in theological language, not overemphasizing either the humanity or the divinity of, of Christ, but finding that perfect Chalcedonian balance, if you will, that balance that the creed found with 100% God, 100% man in one person. That's a... Uh, that's a, that's a difficult challenge in any, for anyone, but especially as you think about youth work and the kind of gap uh, that, that often shows itself when, because um, youth culture, especially now, is so different than, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to believe a world where youth and their parents essentially grew up in the same culture. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the way it was for most of humanity, where you were basically the same, technologically, maybe a few advances. To, um, um, maybe the, the, the young people were speaking a little differently. I'm sure young people were young people back then. But essentially, it's the same culture. Mm -hmm. Now, even the technology advances so quickly, these young people think they're living in a different world. And they're not, really, but they think that, and I understand that. So it's a unique challenge, it mm -hmm. seems to me, in our day. And it's difficult to stay on top of it. In fact, yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no way, as, as youth leaders, as, uh, as a youth organization, 
we have to try to stay on top of it. Mm-hmm. What are young people doing today? What are they watching? What are they listening to? Who are they following? Who are they paying attention to? And who are they rejecting? Who are they canceling? Um, you have to do that. You have to be on top of it. And it's an impossible task, but it's something that is necessary. And as a parent, you can very easily get tired of that, of how do I keep like there's no way that I can follow my kid in this uh, and many parents give up and they're just like oh this is what how I grew up this is how we do it and their young people want an escape from that because that's not uh, was not what they want so they go to places where that's that's offered freely hmm. so it is it's a it's a difficult thing to do to stay on top of this but it's so crucial uh, for everyone, uh, I'm not talking as a group of people. I'm talking as individuals, especially if it's if you're if you love young people, you have to stay on top of that. You have to be aware of what's happening. Just like it's important to know what's happening in the world, as far as news are concerned. Like if there's a war in your country and you don't know, well, you should. Mm-hmm. Like it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think it's uh, it's a necessity for us believers to. As we are rooted in the word, we have to be aware of our surroundings, whether that is our physical surroundings or our digital surroundings. Mm. Um, now, my dad is in his 70s. I don't expect him to go on TikTok and look at what young people are doing, but uh, I do expect him to be open to hearing what young people are into and being, okay, instead of judging and being uh, horrible about it, say, okay, how do I understand this? I can't understand it. So how? what's the closest I can get to? Uh, and that's really what you're trying to do, is try to get as close as possible, obviously without stepping over the line. Yeah, it's possible to understand the situation without approving of the situation. And really, exactly. if we're going to apply the word of God faithfully, what we need to do is understand the situations mm-hmm. that we're applying it to. Mm-hmm. And in the case of young people, that is taken up with a lot of stuff that we don't intrinsically, automatically get. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly because of stage of life and, and, and we shouldn't I mean n- none of us should become teenagers again exactly um, but as with all elements of applying the word of God you need to know the situation that you're applying it to and, and, and with young people that a part of that is 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 knowing knowing the tides that are coming in and out mm-hmm. even if you're not being swept along by them yourself mm-hmm. correct yeah 100% yeah it's interesting this this question of uh, how do we make the church understandable to young people or, or new Christians coming in, because when we've seen the church really go after that idea, the the opposite has happened historically. Thinking about the church growth movement and things of seeker sensitivity, what you what you find is that. The, the church is always behind the trend and also loses its, its potency as, as something declaring the, the timeless universals of, of the Christian faith, the real rooted truths of the gospel. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think there's a tricky balance between, I mean, there's two different things is making yourself understandable. That's mm -hmm. a good thing, uh, making yourself understandable. Sometimes to disagree very heavily. Uh -huh. You know, if you don't speak the same language as someone, you can't really disagree with them either. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I mean, like, the, the point is, is that when Christ came, he didn't tell people what they wanted to hear. Uh, but he but told he them in Aramaic. Yes. <laughs> he spoke to them in a language they understood. And, and, and that's, that's the point to which we need to go. Mm -hmm. And it's not simply in the words we speak. I'm spe using the metaphor of a language, although that, in Christ's case, was actually quite uh, literal uh, application of this principle. But um, also, I mean, the way healings happened in Acts were in some ways, uh, according to what people understood uh, about the notion of power. Like touching garments and things like that, these would have been clearly understood as this person or these people have a power and authority that we don't have. And that was the purpose of it. And yet Paul's message or Peter's message or Barnabas's message never was compromising the truth and oftentimes came in direct odds with what people thought then. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's a reason why, even in, even in Athens, in Acts 17, where Paul clearly is speaking in a language that the Greek philosophers understand, he still talks about the resurrection, which would have been a complete nonsense doctrine to mm -hmm. the, both the Epicureans and the Stoics, you know, for different reasons yeah. uh, who were there. So, yes, he's speaking to them in language they can understand. Yes, he's trying to communicate with them, using their poets when he can, but he's not compromising the message mm -hmm. in one bit. In fact, the very reason why he's speaking to them in language that they can understand is to a certain extent to get them to understand the folly of their own philosophies and understand that Christ is the one mm -hmm. who is coming to judge the living and the dead and God made that clear through the resurrection. So um, that it, it all a lot of times depends on our goal. You know, if our goal is to have the young people like us all the time or be cool with them, then we're, we're going to be behind, like you say. Uh, if our goal is just to fill up churches, we're going to be behind. It's not going to, it's, it's not going to have any power. The church has to be different. Mm -hmm. If it's not different, mm -hmm. then it's, it, it's worthless. Yep. On the other hand, you don't want to make it so different that someone comes into the church and is hearing another language. That's a sign of judgment, according to the Apostle mm -hmm. Paul. You know, when you're hearing people speaking other languages around you, it means you're in exile. Yeah. Uh, and you don't want people to think that they're in exile within the church. Mm -hmm. They need to at least understand and allow yeah. the Spirit to correct them in that way through mm -hmm. communication. So mm -hmm. it's, a, uh, it's that balance. And I think to the, the get the right balance, it, you need to have the right motives. Um, and your motives aren't simply just to, uh, your, your motives are to communicate the truth, um, whether that's encouragement or um, sometimes admonishment. Um, that needs to be communicated clearly. That's the point of it. It's not to capitulate just to make yourself look cool in the mm -hmm. eyes of the young mm -hmm. people. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you do need to speak a language to young people that I don't get or that we don't get. Uh, and that is a very good work. But the purpose of that language is not simply to agree with everything they're doing, no, but to, no. but to, to lead them to the, to the truth. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, there's also, uh, so Cyprus is a stepping stone of an island, right? So people come and go really quickly. Um, and something that is easy to forget and it might sound uh, a little bit weird but i think sort of it is what it is is sometimes we forget the power of the holy spirit and the mm. power of the word i cannot convince and i should not try to convince anybody to come to christ it's mm. not a game of my words are better than yours so i can convince you about how right this is mm. um, and sometimes especially in youth ministry i see that um, it's easy to put on that hat, put on that role. 
and make it fun and exciting and interesting. I can you give me anything in the Bible and I can make it good for teenagers. I can find a way to make it exciting for teenagers. Um, but I'm not trying to convince them. I have to remember that there is power in the Word of God and that the Word of God never returns empty. So yeah, the reason I mentioned that Cyprus is a stepping stone is because many times we only have two or three years to speak to a young person. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean just physically speak, but rather to take, to um, uh, empower them, to um, influence them, if you want to call it that, um, and to speak to, the, to their hearts. So if it takes a year to build a relationship with a young person, you have less time. Mm -hmm. And then by the time, if they miss some meetings and all that stuff, it might take a year and a half to even just get into that place where they're willing to open up to you about their personal issues, about their difficulties, about their faith, ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, so it's easy to think, oh, I need to rush. I need to really get the message in there. And I need to be likable and lovable and hug them and all that, whatever you need to do. Uh, and that is not necessarily how it needs to be. Uh, if you speak the truth, you need to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to work in the hearts of those young people. And uh, something that is, again, easy to do is to think that once they leave YFC, once they leave this youth group, it's over. No, it's not. There's other mm -hmm. steps further mm -hmm. down. So even if young people uh, leave YFC and they have not come to faith, I do not despair. Why? Because they're going to go to university. There's Christian unions. There's groups that meet. There's churches, ultimately, in a different country. So part of my job is to know, okay, this person's going to study in Germany, in that city. Is there a youth group there? Is there a Youth for Christ center there that I can connect to who's going to connect me to this church? Um, is there a, a, a somebody that I know that could perhaps take them, take, uh, take them by the hand in a sense, or just befriend them and say, hey, let me know if I can help you, mm -hmm. and sort of continue the work. So there has been, there have been cases where young people have come back no longer as young people but rather as adults from abroad and when they left the Youth for Christ program they were not believers but they come back as believers and I didn't we didn't do that it was the Holy Spirit that did that he led them where they had to be somebody else picked up from where we left off and I think that is also going back to your question David in the beginning about seeing our place in the church and our place in uh, yeah, just the whole body of Christ is perhaps to also help with that, is mm -hmm. to help with connecting these young people that leave from our groups and go to a youth group or go to a church. How can I connect them to that? How can I make sure uh, to the, uh, as much as I can that they will not give up on this, that somebody will chase after them, will come after them and be mm -hmm. there for them in that um, so part of my job is to know church leaders, to know youth group leaders, to know um, university groups that meet in other countries and be able to connect these young people to that so that the interest continues. Um, so I think that's also really important, especially in an island like Cyprus where young people are only here for a little bit and then we lose them again. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to despair uh, with that as well. And I, I don't know so much in the life of the church, I'm not a church leader, but I imagine it's the same for a church leader. Yes. Uh, seeing people come and go, you barely have time to invest in them, to get to know them, and then they're off somewhere mm -hmm. else. Um, so we need to understand, I think, 
this is for me. Uh, I'm speaking to myself here, preaching to myself, that Jesus is coming back now. He's coming back today. He's coming back tomorrow. How It's an urgent message. Uh, I need to do everything I can in my power to get the word out to these young people, to love them, to show them who Christ is, because tomorrow might be too late. And if they leave from me today, how can I get somebody to continue that work that has started even before me, possibly, from somebody else? Mm-hmm. So from a kid's group to a teenager's group to a, a student's group to then an adult group, adult church. So. Good. Um, perhaps coming into a coming into a close this conversation. Um, what's the end game for YFC in Cyprus? Uh, what, what situation can you envisage where YFC is not needed anymore? How, a, what would that look like? That's a great world, first of all. <laughs> um, not because YFC is bad, but because that means that the church is doing exactly what it needs to do. And, and, and it's a relief to hear you say that because there are so many parachurch organizations across the world who basically want to maintain the problem that they're dealing with just so that their organization can yeah. continue. And I mean, what we've spoken about about St. Barnabas is that we need to be willing to use the institution as a tool for a time, mm-hmm. but to be willing to lay it down in order to see it, its purpose fulfilled. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. Uh, something I heard of when I was a teenager in this youth group, actually, the same one that you run many years ago, um, was that whenever you go to God with something, don't hold it close-fisted, but rather open, because he might want to take it away from you. Um, so I like to hope and think that I hold Youth for Christ here in Cyprus with an open hand. If the church um, has a way to keep understanding teenagers has an outreach program that reaches teenagers, uh, goes to the difficult places that teenagers are, whether that is a physical place or an online place, then I'm not needed. Because part of my role is to go where the church isn't going. So the church is not online. There's no TikTok for GEC where they do funky dances. Um, I, we, don't do the, we don't do that either. Doing uh, <laughs> it might be a fun thing to see. <laughs> Please, continue your work. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that we're, we're the clowns, uh, even though sometimes we can be. Um, it just means that this is where young people meet today. They meet online. So how can we be there for them? They meet in this new place called the LGBTQ movement. Well, how can we be there for them, not be a part of that, right? Sort of what you were saying before. It doesn't mean that I condone it or that I'm all for it, but I need to be aware of it. I need to be there. So if the church can go there, then I'm not needed. And that's fantastic. I don't want to be needed. Unfortunately, I am. Fortunately for me, because I have a job. Um, But the end game is for me to not be needed on the island of Cyprus. I want to be able to say that I can retire early because the church has really picked up. The youth groups are doing a fantastic job with young people. They are reaching out. The young people are coming to faith. That means that young adults stay in faith, and that means that the church has leaders for the future. And I'm not, I'm not needed anymore. So that's sort of where I would like my country to head and my, my church to head. Oh, we'd never let you retire early. I mean, okay. you might stop YFC, but we'd, f- we'd find <laughs> we'd something else for you to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good to know. That's good to know. Can we have that in writing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Good. Zach, do you have anything you want to uh, No, thank ask? you, Luke. Yes, uh, yeah, it's very... It's a pleasure. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a very, pleasure. Thank you. Thank very you for having me. And can you tell us a little bit about um, what uh, what kind of events, just so people know, the general sorts of events that sure. YFC does? Sure. Uh, yeah, like I mentioned before, in the summer we do a lot of our ministries because the summer is when young people are bored. Um, they don't have school, they don't have this, they don't mm-hmm. have that, so we sort of do a lot then. Um, but we also do... So we have a youth group in Paphos, um, we run a youth group because there's nobody else to run it for. Uh, from the moment it started, really, it was our initiative, um, and it's sort of going, still going strong. Uh, we are trying to move away from that, but that is an option. So if you're in Paphos, um, it's called One Way, and it meets every Friday. Um, you can follow us on social media and find all that information out. I'm not going to blurt it out here. Um, we have we partner with the church here in Larnaca for a youth for a youth Bible study. So um, we're helping them out with that. That's not our thing. It's not a YFC uh, necessarily a YFC event or something like that or a, a ministry. But we help the church in that. Uh, we also do inter island events. We have one coming up end of the week where we grab a bunch of youth groups from around the island and bring them together. The idea behind it is for young people to know that there's other believers on the island. Now, for those listeners and viewers who are in a bigger country, you might think that Cyprus being the size it is, it's easy for the cities to come together and meet. They really don't. Uh, We live half an hour away from Nicosia. It's a different country. Uh, When I was growing up, I didn't even know that there were people that follow God in Nicosia. And people generally in oh, Nicosia. people in Nicosia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would you live there? There's yeah. no beach. Um, <laughs> but that's sort of the idea behind that. So that happens about three times a year, uh, four times a year. Um, and we have a Christmas ball um, and things like that. That is also quite fun. Uh, so we try to do whatever is needed, really. We're looking into some sports ministries and things like that that we'd like to do in the future. Um, we just try to find where the need is and plug that. Um, we're not as we're not a very big organization. We're quite small, uh, which also has its benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, that's that's what we try to do. So there's the weekly meetings, the Bible studies, and then more um, uh, spread out events that target specific groups of people, whether that is youth groups or non-church youth. In the summer, all the ministries we do is targeted towards a non-church youth. Mm-hmm. So meet at the beach whoever is there join us for a game sit down for five minutes we'll tell you a little yeah. bit about who we are what we do um, and why we do it and then go jump in the water uh, so yeah that's great that's pretty much what we do all right well thank you very much lucius uh, just a couple of housekeeping things uh from st barnabas bible school uh we have a conference coming up on the 2nd of march um on the theme of of sex and gender um that's called uh male and female he created them um you can you can find details for that on the website and you can sign up to reserve a seat uh, on the website that's it's going to be five euros for a single seat nine euros for for two seats four euros for a teenager's seat so better very, nice. Um, very nice and childcare and lunch are included in that price so um come along uh tell others about it it'd be great to have uh, lots of people there to examine a really really important topic for our time um, very important indeed Good. Well, until next time, uh, thank you very much for listening uh, and hopefully you'll join us again for our next episode, whenever that may be. Mm